Radio Veritas. It is now 16 minutes after five. Uh, thank you for remaining with me. Now, uh, just to speak about uh, this coming Wednesday, the 14th of February, will be Ash Wednesday. Actually, when I was in the seminary many years ago, uh, there was a student there who is now a fine priest in the country someplace. And this student uh, uh, had a very bald head. He had lost all his hair. But in the middle of his forehead, there was one little tuft of hair, dark hair. The other students used to call him Ash Wednesday because <laughs> he looked like someone who had got ashes on Ash Wednesday. Now, uh, this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. So there you are. We are entering into a new season, the season of Lent. Now, when we think about Lent, sometimes we get a bit sad or something. But I must say, Ash Wednesday is a day in which the churches are packed. And you have, if you're giving out the ashes, you have to look. You're so surprised. You've seen people you haven't seen since in 12 months, haven't been there for even Christmas or Easter. Here they are for Ash Wednesday for some reason. And it goes back, of course, long, long thousands of years into the church. Uh, it's a day in which... Christians really come out. Um, uh, really and truly, I think the spirit with which we should celebrate Ash Wednesday and Lent is that of Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, Luke 15. And in that chapter, there's the story of the prodigal son, which I need not tell you, you know it very well, but it speaks about this father, the father who has lost his second son, who has gone away with all his property. And uh, the picture is of the father standing on a hill, I suppose, looking down into the horizon rising, straining his eyes as far as he can see, longing and hoping and praying and waiting to see will this selfish and ungrateful son return. And then the son does return, having met disaster, and the father, seeing him, runs down to meet him, uh, does not allow him almost to speak, embraces him, put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, and celebrates a great feast, saying, Rejoice! My son, my child has been found. I think that's the spirit uh, that Lent calls us to. It calls us to experience again the mercy of God. Now, uh, we begin then the 40 days of Lent this coming Wednesday, uh, preparing for, of course, uh, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And uh, somehow or other, when I think of Ash Wednesday and the great crowds who come, I think of that early chapters in the Gospels, which speak of so many people going down from Jerusalem, Judea, and all over the place to John the Baptist at the River Jordan. John is telling them the Messiah is coming. He will soon be amongst us. Prepare, repent. And in a way, uh, we join those crowds when we come on Ash Wednesday. We too want to repent. We want to start again. We, we sort of remember uh, an echo in our hearts that we once wanted God. Uh, we have forgotten God, or at least we have become um, sort of lukewarm in our response to God. The ashes are a sign of accepting repentance. Remember the words that the, the priests can say 
uh, one or other word to you, he can say, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return, pointing out to us, look, our lives are limited. And there is something we must ask ourselves, what is the purpose of our lives? To renew us, to have a new focus, to have a new dimension, to have a new direction in our lives. Or else the priest could say to you, as he puts, puts the ashes on your forehead and on your hair, he could say, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. These, after all, are the first words uh, of Jesus in the Gospels. Mark, as you know, is the first gospel gospel written. And the first words we find Jesus uh, telling us is that the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And that is the message of Ash Wednesday. And that is the call of Lent. Generally, we associate three activities with Lent. Uh, and you know them so well prayer, fasting and almsgiving almsgiving means uh, giving help to the poor and to the needy and spiritually and materially prayer obviously so therefore look think about it and prepare now to make a special effort to pray during Lent you know prayer in your home what about a family prayer wouldn't that be a wonderful gift to God and a wonderful uh, way of uniting your family of giving them a common identity a belonging into each other as children of God. Uh, again, a personal prayer, going to Mass. So many wonderful people try to go to Mass every day, or at least uh, and some parishes make an effort to offer a very early morning Mass so that people can attend. Obviously, too, uh, in prayer we would understand confession, but I'll speak about that later uh, in, in a month's time. Again, fasting. Prayer, fasting, fasting, yes, from food. You know that on good, on Ash Wednesday and on Good Friday, we have fast and abstinence. We don't eat meat on those two days in the year, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. So let us, uh, perhaps we should go back. Remember, you know, we were famous Catholics all over the world, the people who never ate meat on a Friday. Uh, perhaps it, uh, that's in a way, um, what the church has said is, look, let us do, it is very important that we do fasting on a Friday, but it's not necessary just simply to give up meat. You could do uh, give up something else, like you could give up time wasted on TV or, you know, uh, 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 gossiping or neg ne negative aspects, things that cause you to be impatient, that cause you to forget God, that cause you to attack other people, cause you to be impatient. These are things we could also fast from uh, uh, during this time to make it a time uh, to, to be with God. So prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Um, alms are giving gifts to the poor. So uh, obviously now, uh, you will be getting envelopes. As you know, we have the Lenten collection. Those purple envelopes will be coming to you from the, the diocese all over the country. Last year, you collected uh, 10 million rand and a little more, 10, 10 million, 300,000 rand. Work that, uh, which enables the work of the church, uh, caring for the poor, 
educating seminarians and so on uh, throughout the country. So alms giving. But there's other ways of giving alms. You know, money, yes, of course, is a way of doing it. And we should really try and give something to do without something uh, that we like, a cigarette or a sweet or a chocolate or a cool drink or something. If we did that every day, we would build up something that we could share with people who have nothing. Um, Again, uh, but there's other ways of being kind to the poor, visiting them, listening to them, consoling them. You know, there's so many ways. There's people all around you who are really battling with life. Now, uh, the Pope has sent out a letter for Lent and basically his scripture reference is Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, verse 12. It's a verse I never paid much attention to, I must say myself before. The scripture is always something new and surprising. The Pope says, Matthew 24, verse 12, he says, uh, quoting it, because of the increase of wickedness, in the world, the love of most will grow cold. These are words of Jesus speaking about the last times. Uh, Matthew twenty four twelve. Jesus is speaking about the last time. Pope uh, Francis takes this as the theme. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, iniquity, the love of most will grow cold. You see, now, uh, the Pope has a genius for seeing uh, souls who are growing cold and lacking mercy. He's a man of tenderness and of mercy, and he's always bewailing the fact that we're becoming cold and hard-hearted in our relation, individualistic and selfish in our relationship with each other. You know, just I'm then in his letter, he refers us to a letter he wrote a number of years ago when he first became Pope. And really and truly, this is what he means, that we are becoming half-hearted. We are not as committed as we were. For example, the Pope says, um, he says, many people, spiritual people, uh, you know, they... Uh, they, they, they become separated from others. Uh, you know, they are, uh, they are, there's a heightened individualism, uh, a cooling of fervor. He says many have an inferiority complex about their faith. They're afraid to stand up and speak for their faith. Indeed, it can be difficult if you were to, um, to go on to uh, a phone in radio and start talking about your faith in the middle of some discussion and the people will get embarrassed at the very uh, least and angry at the very worst. Uh, the Pope goes on to say, you know, there is a tomb psychology. You know, this is hard-hitting stuff. Uh, you know, a tomb is a grave. He says many Christians have developed uh, a tomb psychology which develops and slowly transforms Christians into mummies in a museum. Now, you know what a mummy is. A mummy is a body of someone maybe who died 3,000 years ago in Egypt and has been preserved because of the dry soil in which it is um, uh, interred. Um, so he says many of our Christian people today uh, have a tomb psychology developing and slowly transforming 
foreign Christians into mummies in a museum. You know, disillusioned with reality, with the church and with themselves, they experience a constant temptation to cling to a faint melancholy, lacking in hope, which seizes the heart like the most, pre- uh, the most precious of the devil's poisons. So we are called to radiate life, light and communicate life. But in the end, we today are caught up in things that generate only darkness and inner weariness and slowly consume all zeal for the apostolate. You know, then he goes on to Pope uh, to quote uh, the famous Pope, uh, John the 23rd. John the 23rd, he opened a Vatican Council in 1962 calling all the bishops of the world together. It has changed the life of the world and the church. But in his opening address, the Pope uh, John said, At times I have to listen, much to my regret, to the voices of people who, though burning with zeal, lack a sense of discretion and measure. In this modern age, they have nothing but prevarication and ruin. We feel that we must disagree with those prophets of doom who are always forecasting disaster as though the end of the world were at hand. Rather, the Pope says, God is calling into into us to us into a glorious and wonderful time. We will continue this discussion later on, but let me just point out two very uh, simple points at the very end. First of all, on the 9th of March, Friday the 9th of March, overnight until the 10th of March, let us say from 10 in the morning or sometime in the morning on the 9th uh, of March, Friday, until for 24 hours, he says, these are, let the whole church become involved in the 24 hours for the Lord. So, the whole church and every parish is invited to make a special 24-hour effort from the 9th of March to the 10th of March. That is a Friday night, all night, and Saturday as well. That is a 24 hours for the Lord. And secondly, uh, the bishops, although it has come rather late, uh, a program has been prepared by the Justice and Peace Department. And this year, we will begin to try and reflect during Lent on racism, which is one of the great fault lines in our society. You will get, and you will get it on your computer if you want to, th- 10 things we, we, you individually can do to combat racism in our society. There's another paper that will help you when you come to examine your conscience for confession uh, about racism. And finally, there is a discussion document which I will speak about next week. So with these words... Uh, God bless you all.